Greetings, listener, and welcome to the newest edition of our podcast. This episode, we are going to be examining the life of Albertina Sicilou and try to reconstruct her experiences in an apartheid prison and more broadly in apartheid South Africa. Your hosts for this week are Aaron Papp, Mahima Biswa, Jewel Jones, and Aaliyah Brooks. As the famous adage goes, which seems to have appeared first in print in 1945 by Merrill Frost, behind every great man there is a great woman. If this quote holds true, what does it say about Albertina and Walter Sisulu? Both of these figures, on their own, were each legendary characters that emerged out of the apartheid struggle. Walter was one of the most prominent ANC members who spent over two decades incarcerated, alongside Nelson Mandela. Albertina Sisulu is known more commonly in South Africa as the, quote, mother of the nation. While we will assert that Albertina would have been an, an illustrious figure regardless of her husband's involvement, as she lived a more filling life than most of us could imagine, it is true that one of her largest roles to play was being her husband's closest confidant, analyzing and arguing key issues until both had refined their viewpoints and could debate them with ease. A South African television show titled Great South Africans, hosted by Nolene Malwana Sangu and Dennis Beckett, took an informal nationwide poll to, term, to determine the 100 greatest South Africans of all time. It must be noted that the list is controversial, as it didn't ban any figures from the list, and some unsavory characters managed to make this list. But regardless, it is still notable that Albertina Sisulu ranked number 57. Albertina was one of those larger-than-life figures who worked as a nurse, political activist, and as counsel to her husband. Also on her long list of accolades and achievements, Albertina had the honor of nominating Nelson Mandela for president of the Republic of South Africa in 1994. The audio clip will be played now. Mr. Chairman, I nominate Nelson Kholishasha Mandela for election as president. Thank you. Before we can look at Albertina's struggle with apartheid, we need to understand where she came from so we can accurately understand what she went through and how she felt. She was born the second of five children between Banalizwe and Manakazi Thithawe on October 21st, 1918 in the Somo district in the Transinkai, named Nonsikolo Thithawe. Nonsikolo excelled at a very young age. At age five, she was elected as the head girl of her school, which was a local primary school run by Presbyterian missionaries. These schools provided a list to black learners, forcing them to pick a Christian name, in which case she selected Albertina. This is derived from the old German name Adelbert, which means noble and bright. Unfortunately, she had to stop her studies often to take care of her younger relatives when her mother would fall ill, which was very common. This resulted in her falling behind two years academically. This gap proved problematic in a few years. She would win a competition that guaranteed a four-year scholarship to the winner, but was disqualified on account of her age. However, after teachers appealed, as the competition never said age was an issue, some figures noticed, such as the local priests at a Roman Catholic church. 
and she would receive a four-year high school scholarship at Mary Azell College. This was a terrific accomplishment, and Albertina later recounted about the celebrations that followed, quote, you would have thought it was a wedding. The routine was strict and rigid. The day started at 4 a.m. to bathe and clean their dormitories. Afterwards, they would proceed to the chapel for their morning prayers. She paid back the scholarship, an ironic concept, by working in the laundry room and plowing the fields. She would only return home on December holidays. To many, this might seem like usury, but Albertina saw it as a small price to pay for her high school education. Following the completion of her high school, Albertina had to find a profession, one which paid her sufficiently to support her family at Chulobe. During her time at Mary Azell, Albertina had converted to Catholicism. Initially, she wanted to become a nun, as she didn't intend on marrying and was awed by the dedication exuded by nuns. However, the same priest who gave Albertina the scholarship persuaded her into another profession, one which actually made money, nursing. She applied and was subsequently accepted as a trainee nurse at a, quote, non-European hospital in Johannesburg, referred to as Johannesburg General. She left Jalobe in January 1940. The 1940s in South Africa was a time for significant economic and political change following the Second World War and the formal introduction of apartheid. The market saw a massive jump in the size of the workforce, as many goods that were provided through Europe now needed to be made locally. This workforce expanse was not limited by gender or color. A small portion of this workforce were women coming into the city searching for higher education as nurses, teachers, or social workers. And while her ambition would not be eliminated, nor would her genuine love of the profession of nursing, Albertina's time at Johannesburg General would provide her first encounters with racism. Regardless of experience or age, a white nurse would always be treated as superior to any of their black colleagues. This led to ridiculous scenes of junior white nurses ordering around their black colleagues who had three times more experience. Coming from a very rural village with very few white people, Albertina had never encountered racism before and was very present throughout Johannesburg General. Six months into Albertina's training, there was a horrible accident at the park station, Johannesburg's main train station. The patients flooded into the hospital and all medical staff were called in, even those who were previously on leave. The senior black medical staff appealed to the hospital authorities to allow black patients that were seriously injured to be treated in European wards, but the authorities would not allow it. Because of this, many injured patients had to sleep on the ground. This was a watershed moment for Albertina and had a profound and a formative effect on her character and her beliefs. She was in disbelief that a medical practitioner would violate their duty to provide medical care solely on the account of race. However, despite her becoming sufficiently disgusted with apartheid, it wasn't until she met her significant other that she began to get involved with politics. As we note later, Albertina didn't get involved in politics until she met her husband, Walter Sisulu. Here is an audio clip from an interview with Albertina in which she comments on her marriage with Walter. I think um, it was God sent to me because the day I got married, 
was the day I was emancipated as a woman. There was no difference between him and me because here in the house we used to do the same work. We were equals from the beginning. Hey listeners, my name is Mahima and I will be talking about the political activities of Albertino. Albertino's initial introduction into politics was actually influenced by her relationship with her husband, Walter Sicilu, before Albertina did not participate in political activities. She began regularly accompanying her husband to his political meetings, but only in a supportive role. Albertina was the only woman present at the inaugural conference of the African National Congress Youth League and was hesitant to join the movement, since it was a man's league. In 1948, however, the African National Congress Women's League was formed and Albertina joined as a member. This was the beginning of Albertina's life as a political activist. Albertina began to assume leadership roles within the ANC and in the Federation of South African Women in the 1950s. She was a lead organizer for the historic Anti-Pass Women's March in 1956 and opposed inferior bond to education. The ANC Women's League and the Federation of South African Women aided the boycott greatly by opening alternative schools. In 1983, Albertina was elected co-president of the United Democratic Front. Albertina led a delegation of UDF leaders to Europe and the United States. She met with the British Prime Minister Margaret Tector and the American President George Bush. Albertina's political career and activism span across multiple decades that made a historic impact on the women of South Africa and realizing the potential they had in the space that was primarily dominated by men. Albertina's achievement paved the way for future generations of the South African women by providing them a blueprint of what to fight for and how to get involved in the political sphere. I'm Joelle Jones here to discuss Albertina Sisulu or Masasulu's activism and imprisonment. Masasulu's entire political career, along with her nationally and globally recognized activism, is the epitome of Ubuntu. Masasulu never stopped advocating because her livelihood, the well-being of her children, and the prosperity of her people depended on it. This segment of the podcast, listeners will journey through a timeline to understand Masasulu better as a woman, mother, and revolutionary activist. As previously mentioned, Masasulu was introduced to politics by her husband, Walter Sisulu. The catalyst for Masasulu's activism was primarily due to past laws under the recognized apartheid government. In a 1996 interview filmed in Detroit, Masasulu reminds us that the struggle for both men and women in South Africa go hand in hand by stating, quote, women in South Africa have been in the struggle, end quote. She goes on to articulate that the woman's burden is unique, coupled with the pressures of being a homemaker and a mother, navigating how to raise children under such conditions. In 1941, Walter and Albertina meet. Three years later, they get married. The same year, Masasulu becomes a nurse. 
A year later, they welcome their first child, and by 1947, Walter decides to quit his job and join the ANC full-time. Masasulu agreed to support the family financially as the sole provider, and a year later, the ANC's Women's League was formed. Masasulu joined as a member. This was the beginning of her career as an activist in her own right. In the 50s, Masasulu began assuming leadership roles in the ANC and the Federation of South African Women, a broad-based women's organization not only for national liberation, but specifically to address issues of gender inequality. From this point on, Masasulu is constantly harassed by apartheid security, subsequently leading to her many arrests. In 1950 to 1952, the Defiance Campaign was a turning point for the South African Liberation Movement, and it led to global attention, and the UN recognized these racial policies as an international concern. During the same year, ANC membership increased significantly, and a new era of resistance to apartheid was birthed. Now, speaking of birth, in 1957, Masa Sulu earned her midwife qualifications and was employed by her city's health department. Now we visualize Masa Sulu walking to visit her patients in their homes. She's walking through townships with a suitcase on her head, carrying the various needs of her patients, along with the Federation of South African Women pamphlets, encouraging her patients to join the movement. In 1955, Masasulu was busy. She's actively involved in the ANC boycott of Bantu education, turning her home into an alternative school for students who withdrew from government schools. But apartheid government made it illegal to run alternative schools and shut down boycotting schools permanently. Although private schools did not have to abide by the Bantu education laws to protect her children, Walter and Albertina sent their children to Seventh-day Adventist private schools despite the financial burdens and hardships. During the same year, ANC's Women's League and the Federation of South African Women set up a joint working committee to coordinate the Women's Anti-Pass Campaign, which would lead to the 1956 historic Women's Anti-Pass Protest, where 20,000 women gathered nationally, marching to union buildings, demanding to see the Prime Minister to hand over their passes. There were logistical issues when it came to transporting women from the villages to Pretoria. Apartheid security would stop women tra- women traveling in groups of more than 10 to Pretoria. Masasulu thought of a master plan. She encouraged women to travel by train. She would be spotted at the train station on August 6, 1956 at 2 a.m. buying and distributing tickets to women attending the march. In 1961, Walter was accused of treason and he forfeit bail and went underground. Upon apartheid security check in their home, Masasulu was arrested and during her time imprisoned, she was psychologically manipulated to believe her children were ill and her husband had died. 
This is just a brief synopsis of a decade and more of Masasulu's political and communal work and impact. She's much more than just Walter Sasulu's wife. She's a wife, mother, woman, and a revolutionary. In 1981 and 1985, Masa Sulu was detained and jailed for her activism and placed under multiple bans and house arrests. But she still managed to keep connections between jailed ANC members and those exiled, further proving her monumental impact on South Africa's liberation struggle. Reassuring Ubuntu, I am because you are. Albertina Sisulu was born and raised in a majority black area and only really felt her first experience with racism while working as a nurse at Johannesburg General. There, age and ranking did not matter over your race. White nurses always had seniority over black ones. After seeing how black patients with life-threatening injuries were still not allowed in European areas and forced to sleep on the floor, her beliefs and feelings toward apartheid were formed. After meeting her husband, Walter Sisulu, she would truly become part of politics while supporting him. She played an integral part in fighting apartheid before the ANC began accepting women, but once they did, she wouldn't only be seen as her husband's supporter. She brought attention to the importance of acknowledging women's struggles as well as men's under apartheid, as well as pointing out the uniqueness of women's burdens. She became a midwife in addition to being a nurse. Unfortunately, she died in 2011 while watching television with her grandkids. All in all, Non Sikelelo, or Albertina Sisulu, excelled at everything she did, whether it was schoolwork, nursing, mothering, grandmothering, being a revolutionary, or a midwife. She was amazing. And that will do it for our podcast on Albertina Non Sisulu. We hope our learners learned something today. We know we certainly did. Mm-hmm.